Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Hi, and welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. So today we have with us Alan Klein. And I'll tell you a little bit about Alan before we talk to him. Have you ever heard, I never heard this word before, and I'm wondering if anyone out there has ever heard what a jollytologist is. Well, Alan Klein is going to introduce himself today as the world's one and only jollytologist. And he shows people worldwide how to deal with all kinds of tragedies and stress in their lives from very small things like a traffic jam or a very large thing like a death of your spouse. Ellen got into this unusual line of work after his wife died and she died of a rare liver disease at a very young age of 34. And he saw how humor had helped her in her life and those around her helped her and those to cope. Ellen is a recipient of several awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, as well as Toastmasters Communication and Leadership Award, and is a certified speaking professional. He is the author of, ready for this, 25 books, which includes a best, some bestsellers. The Healing Power of Humor. Oh, that sounds like a great one. Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying. Excellent title. Change Your Life, A Little Book of Big Ideas. Intriguing. The Art of Living Joyfully and Upcoming, You Can't Ruin My Day. So welcome, Ellen, to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Well, it's great to be here, and when you read all those, uh, the intro to me, I, I keep thinking, who is that person? <laughs> <laughs> who accomplished all of that? Pretty amazing. Well, you know, sometimes, I don't know, we look back at life, and it takes us on different journeys than we started out with, and leads us into different paths, and I think if we pay attention to that, and our gut feeling um, those amazing things do happen. Absolutely, and that's attitude. And I'm sure you have a very clear understanding how attitude makes a difference. Oh, definitely. It's, it's um, you know, Viktor Frankl, who is, some of your listeners may know, was in a concentration camp and wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning and actually used humor in the camp to help him. Really? But also he, he talks about the, the one thing everybody has 
And the only thing we can control life with is our attitude. That's absolutely, I believe that 100%. And I have always maintained that, that laughter can get us through almost anything. And that doesn't mean, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Ellen, burying your head in the sand and, and pretending it's not there. Oh, totally agree. Yes. So tell me, what is the power of humor? How would you describe that? Oh, dear. That's a, <laughs> although it's the title of my book, The uh-huh. Humor, <laughs> a little harder to describe. And again, I, I, I think it goes back to attitude. And in my workshops, I go over the letters L-A-U-G-H, and of course, the A is for attitude. How are you looking at the world? You know, I had a father who was pretty um, somber, and he would always see the world, uh, you know, that glass is half full, and he would always look at the problem instead of the solution or the good thing and the bad. And my mom was totally opposite. She was always joyous and could change things around in a moment. I remember she was moving out of her condo to an assisted living place, and she put some dishes on a pretty rickety little uh, TV snack table, and it collapsed and broke most of the dishes. And I kind of was consoling her, and I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Ma. And she said, no, it's no problem. Now I have less to pack. (laughs) Absolutely. I love her. So it's weird, you know, some other other person would go, this is terrible, you know, these now I only have six dishes left. And for my mom, it was an advantage. So it's totally in your attitude. And how what about the power of words? Because you talk about that as well. Is that in relation to humor or totally separate? Oh, well, totally together and and totally uh, aligned with attitude. I mean, What are the words that feed into you uh, every day? You know, do you watch the news every night uh, before you go to bed or in the morning when you wake up? Or do you have a positive attitude and maybe an affirmation? I sing a song when I get out of bed in the morning to start my day. You know, I look at the the stuff I have around me in my office to cheer me up and, and quote, I have you know, quotes that I like, I put on my wall every day to help me um, just get through the day when things aren't going well or remind me. It's really reminders that, again, it's my attitude. I could choose to have a happy day or an unhappy day. It's really a reminder. So that's why words are so powerful. I'll give you one example, Carol. In one of my books, I have a quotation Uh, by Dale Carnegie about taking back your power. And I never realized how that one quote might change someone's life. And I got a letter from a woman saying um, she was violently raped when she was a teenager. And for 55 years, she says, I have never forgiven uh, the person that did that. And she said, then I wrote back, I, I read, I'm sorry, I read the quote in your book about taking back your power. She said, I put that quote where I could see it every day. I've taken back my power. I've changed my attitude towards this person. And I finally feel I can get on with my life after 55 years. One single quotation. 
You touched on something there that is in in my own life of extreme importance, and I do teach on this subject a lot. And so I'd like to hear what you have to say, and that is the attitude of forgiveness. I believe that you you have your own thoughts about that. Am I correct? Uh, well, I think there are two. If you can do just two things in your life every day, um, I, I just know your life will be much richer. One is forgiveness. Because often we carry around those things or people or situations that we haven't forgiven, and it totally weighs us down. You can find the humor in your day. You can't lighten up about things. You are constantly complaining about that thing, uh, whatever you haven't forgiven. And the other thing I think goes in hand in hand with that is gratitude. That was my next question. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what about attitude of gratitude? (laughs) Right. You know, that, and that goes so along with forgiveness, because what I've been coming to realize, it's not only gratitude towards the great stuff in our life that often we have and we thank God or whatever, whoever we believe in or just be thankful for what we have, but to be grateful for the not so great stuff in our life. So maybe those things that hurt you that you did not forgive. Maybe it's time to actually be grateful for those because those might have been the things that taught you the greatest lesson in your life. Very often those are stepping stones. Exactly. And I think when we don't um, have gratitude for those, um, you know, again, we can't move on with our life. We can't enjoy our life. For instance, I did not want my wife to die. You know, it was a real tragedy in my wife. We had a 10-year-old daughter at the time. But looking back, I've got to be on some levels, and this may sound a little weird, but i got to be grateful on some levels for that because I would not be doing the work that I'm doing, have 25 books in print, influence people's lives, get letters from that, like that woman that was raped, about how my work and my words and what I'm doing has influenced her and other people. And that would not have happened if my wife did not pass away at that time. I can totally relate to that personally, and I totally understand. I also believe that many listeners will relate as well. And it definitely goes with attitude. But it's also, and this doesn't, I don't think, happen or belittle the tragedy. You know, it doesn't happen necessarily when you're going through that trauma. But it comes later when you have the understanding that this happened, yes, but now I'm here. That was then. This is now. And this is what I learned. This is what I gleaned. This is where I drew my strength. And this the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing, just like you said, is because of what happened. And we don't understand when we're going through it, and we don't necessarily like it, but we we get through it faster, having a good attitude and knowing that all things are going to work out. Right, and I totally agree with that. And I think we're honoring that person we lost. Good point. Expound on that a little bit. Well, as I said, you know, I would have not been doing this work that's, I think, helping so many people um, without my wife's death. So 
you know, when I do a workshop, I, I have a feeling her spirit is in that room every time. She had a great sense of humor. And I um, did I tell you the, the story in the hospital with a copy of Playgirl magazine? No. No. So she had a great humor spirit, even though there were lots of tears during those three years that we knew of her terminal illness. But I remember she had a copy of Playgirl magazine in the hospital with a male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, why don't you put this um, hunky man's picture on the wall over here by the bed? I, I really <laughs> would enjoy it. And I said, Alan, this is a hospital. It's a little escape for that. And she said, well, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you get a leaf from the plant in the dresser over there and cover up that part? So I did that, Carol, and things are fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaf starts shriveling up. (laughs) And, you know, we came home from the hospital, or she came home, and we would look at a leaf or a plant, and we would remember that incident, and we would start to laugh. Exactly. And that is when I first realized this little light bulb went off, that how valuable laughter could help us, even momentarily help us arise above what we were going through and how valuable humor was. So, you know, when I do these workshops, I really think her spirit, because her spirits, you know, this is her incident started with all of this, with the work I'm doing. And so I'm honoring her every time I write a book or speak. And I know that um, her spirit's there and um, what I'm doing would not have happened without that loss. Now, it has, I have read and it's been said, and I think that there may be somebody in the listening audience that may be thinking this. And that is, when we laugh through our trauma, we are actually belittling our trauma. Now, I understand what you're saying totally. But how how would you answer the person that would say, how, how could you possibly have found humor in a situation when you know what your wife's demise is or uh, anything like that? Because I know that that's an issue and it has come up in the past. Have you run into that at all? Uh, yes, I, I, I was a hospice volunteer for a couple of years and there was one of my um, clients was a woman in her 30s, um, late 30s, who lost her mom. And she, I, what I could see and try to work with her, and, and it was difficult for her because she was very close to her mom. But for two years that I was working with her, she could not get on with her life. Mm. This totally stopped her life. So what I what I see is when that happens, I mean, yes, we need to honor the person lost and, and we can't trivialize it. It happened. But what I saw in this woman that two lives were lost. One was a mother whose physical body was gone and the other was for the daughter who uh, her whole life seemed destroyed and she just not could not move forward and enjoy her life. I agree. And that's a very good point. Thank you. So I think that answers the question, at least for me, it seems. Yes, yes. Now, tell us about your workshops. You mentioned it a couple times. What do they entail? Are they they one in particular, or is it a course, or what do you do? Well, I do. I'm a keynote speaker, so I do uh, mostly 
like hour, hour and a half programs at conferences. But I also, from time to time, I do a longer program. I'm doing a whole weekend retreat at Unity Village this summer in, in uh, near Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, they have an incredible, uh, um, incredible uh, 4,000 acre facility, actually. Wow. No, not 4, I'm sorry, 1,400 acre. Um, and that will be a Friday night, all day Saturday, and half a day Sunday. So I do long, and that's open to the public. People can go on Unity, uh, I think it's .org, but Unity site, and look up their, all the retreats they give, and they'll find the Healing Power of Humor one there. And what would you do at that retreat? Oh, God, we do it. Well, I got, as I say, I go over the letters L-A-U-G-H. We look at Ella's Let Go, so we do processes about that how to add humor to stuff that people are not um, letting go of. Because I find you can't laugh about anything until you let go of it. And so I'll go over each of those letters. We've talked about attitude. Uh, U is Y-O-U, that people need to go find it. G, my Healing Power of Humor book has 14 techniques of how to go find humor. So we will do a number of those exercises, and H is open your humor eyes and ears and look around. There is humor all around. One example, Carol, is I was in a laundromat a couple of months ago, and I looked on the wall, and they had a sign that said, when the machine stops, remove all your clothing. Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Which I did. <laughs> so the retreat, but the retreat will have interactive stuff. Um, it will have videos that I've collected over the years. It will have a lot of sharing. Um, it will have games. Part of it, there's something now called laughter yoga where people just laugh. So I have a co-presenter that's going to be presenting some uh, laughter yoga exercises throughout the weekend. Excellent. Now, I see that you were kicked out of Yale Drama School. <laughs> Tell me about that. I am very That's intrigued funny. by that. <laughs> Not so funny. Okay. <laughs> at, the time, at the time. But, you know, looking back, and now I am very grateful I was kicked out, actually. Um, when I was seven years old, I lived in New York City, and my parents took me to see two Broadway shows, Oklahoma and Carousel. And after that, I said to my parents, I want to be a scenic designer. I want to be the person that makes those pretty stage pictures. And so I, I graduated high school and went to college and did the stage sets for a lot of college productions. And then I got into Yale Drama School, which was the most prestigious drama school in the country at the time. And it was a three-year master's. And at the end of the first year, they kicked me out. They said I had no talent. In what area? In scenic design. Oh, okay, okay. But I, what I wanted to do. And the bottom line was that they only needed, they originally got in 12 students because they had 12 uh, spots. And then the second year, they only needed eight students because they only had eight productions to design. So Four people got kicked out, and I was one of them. And, of course, I was very upset, but I went back to New York City. I got into the Scenic Design Union. It's a very strict union to get into. Passed the test after the second year. 
and became a scenic designer, designed Merv Griffin, designed Jackie Gleason, designed Captain Kangaroo on national, national television. And looking back, I realized my classmates, fellow classmates, was still in school learning how to be a designer. <laughs> you know, so being so you, at a Yale was like the best thing that could have happened to me. You didn't quit. No, of course not. In the middle of, of a trauma, you didn't quit. No. Bottom line. Yeah. Well, I know that I can do anything I want. You know, no one can stop me. And that should be our attitude. That's a fabulous attitude because as long as we maintain that, and even if we fail, I mean, so we get up and try again. You know, exactly. the old adage, try, try again. Exactly. So that. That's a good story. I appreciate that. So, again, what does it come back to? Attitude. Yes. I'm not going to let anyone or anything ruin my day, which just so happens to be the title of right. my book. <laughs> okay, so tell me about that. Now, you said in your little blurb that it's going to be a bestseller. That's a pretty confident attitude. So, well, share about the, the book. And I have a sign that I look at all the time. This is New York Times bestseller right in front of me by here by the computer. Um, you know, Carol, I, I and that that leads me to be, I believe in affirmations, which is again tied to attitude. But I've seen this work over and over and over in my wife, uh, life is a positive attitude, keeping affirmations around. Um, quick story is is some of my books went out of print. I got the rights back. I could not find a publisher, and I put a sign above my desk which said, the perfect publisher will find me. And I went to a writer's meeting, and I heard a woman say, we have a very successful publishing house, but we are going to start a new division, and we're looking for uplifting, motivational, inspirational books. And I turned around, and I said, I have a handful of them that Random House was publishing, but that division closed and would you like to republish them and um they did for a couple but they were getting too small for their offices they did publish a couple of those and they got too rather too big for their small office so they moved to a bigger office and they had a big party and i went to the party and this woman comes up to me and she says i own this company you don't know me, you haven't met me because I live in London, but I'm really glad to have you with us, and I know you. Hmm. And I said, you know me? I don't know you. How do you know me? She said, for 16 years, I lived across the street from you, and I'd watch your dog, walk your dog every single day. Oh, my word. The perfect publisher found me. <laughs> you know, and who knows? It's all because I went to this meeting, I overheard this. Who, you know, who, um, who would think this would happen? Another miracle just happened a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to New York uh, next month to sign the new book at the Book Expo. And I need a place to stay because the, I used to stay at a friend's place. I'd pay him to stay there, but he just sold that apartment. So I went to my next backup to a place I usually stay. And the woman said, oh, I'm sorry, it's all booked for me. So again, I put out in my head this affirmation, not to worry, I'll find an apartment. And I was at a cocktail party and this woman comes over to me. There's 60 people in the room, Carol, 60 people. I don't know why she came over to me and she said, 
you are so cute. You are so <laughs> debonair. And we just start talking and chatting. And I said, where do you live? She said, in New York. I said, oh, do you know of anyone that has a place to stay at the end of May? And she said, the end of May, you know, my husband and I are going to be in Italy at that time. You could stay at our apartment and you don't have to pay me anything. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I don't, you know, these <laughs> miracles. And I think it's because of my positive attitude, my affirmations. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, you must believe, as I do, that we attract like-minded people. Oh, exactly. And, uh, you know, people with good attitudes attract one another. And people that are of like mind, I mean, you emanate that. You emanate, you know, confidence and assurance and um, clarity and you're comfortable. And I I don't let anyone ruin my day. Exactly. Because (laughs) it, it comes to that confidence of knowing who you are. And I think that's excellent and a, and a good illustration. Now, let's get to the nitty-gritty a little bit about when, because there are a lot of people who I know are not only going through their own their own issues and their own traumas, but in, initially when something as such a tragedy as losing your spouse happens, you're certainly not going to use laughter to get through that moment. Where do you draw your strength? And and is there anything in particular outside of, I understand, attitude, etc. But is there anything where you specifically draw your strength from and your support? Well, there's a couple. Um, I, I am a firm believing unity and... Um, they have several principles I use, but if, if people don't believe in God or aren't spiritual, um, you know, one of the things I always realize looking back in my life is that this too shall pass. That's right. And so that's one is real. And some of these are from the new book, You Can't Ruin My Day. Okay. So that this, this too shall pass. Know that this is just now and it will be different in the future. And the other thing is, I think, if I could look at, okay, this is not so great, but what can I learn from this? What is the lesson here? How could I be more loving from this? Could I be more compassionate? Could I be stronger? And that has always helped me get through whatever difficulty I have also. And that comes down to attitude again. Yeah, I'm sorry to say, but (laughs) it does. That's Uh, right. Okay. No, I think that... I think we all want to have a good attitude, you know, human nature. And but sometimes we get overwhelmed and we get caught up in the negativities of life. And it is difficult, but we have to learn to focus and and learn to find something, like you said, to be grateful for and find something to laugh about and many other things and have those affirmations that we can use knowing that this too shall pass. I totally agree with that. Exactly. Now, you've published 25 books. Now, are they all self-help books? Are any of them memoirs or um, do you deal with the same subject matter? Are they diversified? How? What? Tell me about your books. Right. Well, The Healing Power of Humor has 14 techniques of how to find something to lighten up uh, in your difficult situations. I then took that idea further and I interviewed people who were seriously ill, like with cancer or AIDS, 
people who are grieving, and I collected stories from them that I put in the next book, which is The Courage to Laugh, Humor, Hope, and Healing in the Face of Death and Dying. And then I thought when I was grieving, I would only find books that like with two, three hundred pages that told me how bad I feel in my grief. <laughs> and so I wanted to write a more uplifting book. And so I wrote um, Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying, mm. which is how to embrace life after loss. And it's a very you could open almost any page. There's a quotation. There's some inspirational paragraphs that I wrote. And it kind of leads people from a loss to laughter. And then I have a number of quotation books because, I, as I said, I think words are so powerful. They're all different subjects. Uh, the latest one is um, Having the Time of Your Life. And then the latest book, You Can't Ruin My Day, which is 52 wake-up calls to turn any situation around. Now, not to put you on the spot here, <laughs> but uh, do you have any one-liners that are that always seem to get your audience a good laugh, or do you use one-liners, or can you share any of those with us if you do have any? Well, one is self-effacing humor, but I don't think people could see me, so they don't know that I have an almost totally bald head. So I tell people I'm a former expert in how to cure baldness. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's kind of a visual, you know, a visual, a visual one. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of what I do in my workshop is very interactive. So I don't tell jokes. Okay. okay. And often the humor comes out of the moment because that's, I think there's humor all around. I agree. It's that spont spontaneity. So it's harder to pull out something to say, okay, because I don't do a joke. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's a little self-effacing humor that I use that does get a laugh. Good, good. Now, you also mentioned that you, in, your, in the blurb that I received from you, that uh, your book is going to be a bestseller. Is that an affirmation of yours, or do you have um, – a secret about the new book, um, <laughs> You Can't Ruin My Day, that it is going to be a bestseller. Well, one of the reasons I think it's going to be a bestseller is because every time I say the title to someone, and it happened this morning again, several people, so I posted the new book cover on Facebook. Okay. Is they say, I need that book. I want that book. That book was written for me. I need that book now. Just from the title. They don't even know what's inside. Okay. So I think it's, and the other is certainly my affirmation that um, this is what I would like to see because I think it's a book that could, and it's not selfish that I want it to be a bestseller, but I know that it could help a lot of people. You know, and I know my first book's now in the 40th printing and ninth uh, foreign language. So I know the book helps a lot of people around the world and that my writing, my speaking, it's it's why I'm I've been chosen to do this work is what I believe is to help people. And you obviously and, enjoy it. And I enjoy it too, but my main goal is to get the word out to as many people as possible and hopefully uh, be a little change in the difficulties and in their life. 
what are your long-term goals? Are they basically to continue to do what you're doing or do you have a direction that you're, you want to change and go, go to? Well, my long-term goal, I'm getting up in years, is to stay healthy and happy so I can continue doing this. All of my friends, Carol, are retired. <laughs> and you don't know the meaning of that word, right? I don't know the meaning because if I'm having a good time and I'm helping people and I could still do what I do, why stop? It seems crazy to me. But I have a birthday coming up next week, and you know how birthdays always are like a reminder. Is Right. Well, I don't know how many more of those I have left. Uh, and so I just um, – that's my long-term girl, goal is to be healthy so I can do um, what I'm doing. Do you have any grandchildren? I don't. I have a daughter who's very happily married, and uh, she does not want to have children. She's an artist, and she's going to be 47 or 40, maybe 48, I think, in August. And so, you know, it's a little late for that. And she said, well, Dad, I could adopt a child. And I said, go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But she hasn't. So I have a dog. (laughs) What kind of dog? (laughs) Well, it's a rescue dog, and it's mostly Aussie cattle dog and Aussie shepherd and wonderful dog just wonderful i have rescued 26 dogs and we, oh my goodness we just got two new ones and so as soon as you said that i mean my my heart goes pitter patter yeah. i have a real uh a real soft spot for for rescuing rescuing dogs i believe they make the best pets because uh-huh. they're so grateful to have been you know to have found a home where people love them so good for you kudos you know, on you an interesting story about that is um I I had a dog five years ago before this one, and um, I wasn't looking specifically for one, but I was kind of, you know, wanting another dog. And um, I passed this street corner, and they it was the, you know, rescue center, and they had dogs there. And some woman who passed by just handed me this dog, whose name is Cheerios, <laughs> and... Um, other people wanted to hold this puppy. She would not leave my arms for a half hour. Aww. She would not leave. She would not go to anyone else. And I thought, okay. <laughs> you know, the There's a message dog, here. <laughs> the perfect dog has come to me. Just right. My perfect publisher. So she's now four. She was born on Easter Sunday. So she's four years old. Aw, that's great. That's a good story. And... A couple more things. First of all, what is your call to action for the listeners today? Oh, call to action is um, change your attitude since we've talked about that. Find some humor in your situation. Find some positive there. Be thankful for whatever situation you're in. Know that it will um, pass. It will make you stronger. It will teach you. It will do one of those things for sure. Um, and know that you're not stuck in this forever. Very well said. I appreciate that. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the easiest way? Easiest way is send me an email, humor, H-U-M-O-R, at and then my name, alankline.com, and I'll spell that because that does make a difference. A L L E N Q 
K-L-E-I-N.com. So then they could also go online and look at www.alankline.com, find out more about me. They can go to Amazon and put in Alan Klein, A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N, and see all of my books and actually pre-order. You can't ruin my day. Okay. All right. Just to repeat that, if you want to talk directly to Alan, you can send him an email at humor at ellenkline.com. His website is www.ellenkline.com. Or go to Amazon, plug in his name or any of the names of the books that you heard today, and you can connect with him there as well. And you can also pre-order his new book, which is going to be a bestseller, (laughs) entitled You Can't Ruin My Day. Now, how many times have we not said that, maybe even under our breath, when someone tries to do something to us and we're thinking, well, you think you're going to ruin my day. You're not. You know what I mean? So I think we've all had that thought. So that's a very um, catchy title. Thank you. Um, well, this has been great, Alan. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to go to Amazon as well. Oh, did you, t- you didn't tell us, what, excuse me, I have to back up. What is a jollytologist? Well, I made it up because, oh. Carol, guess what? <laughs> I believe you can be whatever you want to be. And so I studied humor and I'm really a jellotologist, not the dessert kind, but G-E-L-O-S is a Greek word meaning laughter and ology is study of. So I'm really a jellotologist, but that didn't make sense to people, so I changed it to jollytologist. Well, now every time I hear the word jolly, I'm going to think of you, and I think many people will as well. Um, You've been very inspirational as far as giving us some good tips I know that they are appreciated. I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate you sharing how important attitude is. Um, Gratitude, attitude, forgiveness attitude. Um, Of course, the attitude of laughter and understanding that no matter what life gives us, we can have a good attitude about it, knowing that this too shall pass. So you've shared a lot of things with us today, and it is sincerely appreciated, and I thank you. Thank you, Carol. It was a joy being on your show. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.